The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, Subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to the Influencer's Edge. Today's broadcast, at least logistically, you notice there's no green screen and we have a different background. They're drilling outside of my home in San Diego, California. It sounds like a war zone. And so to keep us focused, I moved into a different location. But our shall I say, unusual and fascinating guest. I know him personally. I can guarantee you, you will lose any distraction and really tune in. Hello, Stephen Delacruz. Welcome to the Influencer. Hello, Paul Ross. How are you? <laughs> so I happen to know Stephen as a dear friend for five years. He's also one of my mentors and one of my coaches. And I'm pleased to have you on the show. Let's read your bio. Stephen Delacruz has been to jail twice. Wow. Uh, he's hit rock bottom twice and has bounced back with even more zeal. I want to talk to you about the structure of that, how you manage to stay resilient. Because for those of us, this show is geared towards professional salespeople, entrepreneurs, etc. And we have hit rock bottom. We understand that struggle. Um, now he's bounced back with even more zeal, more money and determined to make a difference in people's lives. Stephen has created the subliminal success system and his clients have seen massive results. I can speak to that personally. And you're going to love Stephen. Stephen, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on. And I know you to be a man with an iconoclastic genius, to say the least, and a heart of gold. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Paul. I really appreciate it. And we did say, you know, we always do a little green room conversation before we start recording. I said to Stephen, this is going to be a very freewheeling discussion. This is not like a, a typical podcast or interview you're going to see, especially because we know each other so well. Right. We're such good friends. So right. let's get into, let's dive a little bit into your personal history because it's so interesting. You have been to jail twice. You hit rock bottom. So I don't know where we want to start. Let's talk about the hitting the rock bottom, although I would think going to jail is the worst form of hitting rock bottom. So let's first and foremost, before we get into subliminal sales and success and the rest of that, what that means for you, let's talk about your extraordinary resiliency, your ability to bounce back from things that would have crushed people. So tell us a little bit about your, you said you hit rock bottom twice. Let's talk about the first time you hit rock bottom. 
Well, when I was 16 years old, you know, I was a really troubled teen, um, very, very troubled past. Um, went to juvenile hall and um, I was a aspiring child actor and I loved the entertainment industry and all that stuff. So um, long story short with that, because um, that's the focus here, but, you know, went to juvenile hall. I, all the, all the, the craziness that have finally caught up to me and went to juvenile hall. The judge was giving me 25 years to life. Whoa, whoa, let's yeah. pause right there. What yeah. was going through your mind and, and your heart when you heard 25 years to life? You know, at first I felt like I was unstoppable. I felt like no one can touch me. I mean, I, I can do I can do whatever I want. You know, here I am, you know, especially at 16 years old, a lot of kid teenagers, they feel like they're untouchable, right? But when that was told to me, 16 years old, 25 years to life because of being charged for a crime as an adult, that really hit me because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be treated like an animal for for 25 years to life and that's where my probation officer said to me you need to figure this out like do you want to live this life the rest of your life this way or do you want to get out and be someone in society well then that's where i really apologize to judge your honor please give me mercy and thank god they um you know that's where my whole conversion to christianity came in and um <laughs> was like okay god if you're real get me out of here um and so then uh, that's what the judge your honor i want to do better then he sent me to the group home, thank God, for 18 months, which is a halfway house uh, for teenagers. And so that right there, the halfway house, all that stuff was great. But then it wasn't until I was about to graduate, the halfway house, the, the, the group home, um, that my probation officer showed me that, Stephen, before you graduate here, you're going to find yourself a court, a court appointed mentor. Um, because that's the person that they'll follow up with you outside of the, the uh, social worker, outside of the probation officer. Um, but this is someone who just be in your personal life. But they told me, be careful who you choose as your mentor, because that's who you'll become. And so that's when I said, huh, who do I know that I want to become like? Well, I said, well, I know a good friend of my, my father's, and I'm going to go ahead and be like him. He's very, very wealthy now in Los Angeles. Uh, he's a big-time commercial real estate developer. And so I said, I want to be like him, a big time millionaire, multimillionaire. Um, so he became a mentor. And that's where the, that's where I, he told me, Stephen, your past, it's a very cliche thing to hear all, all the time. But my at that time when I was 18 years old, it was really hit me. Your past does not dictate your future. You create your destiny. And so today you having me as your mentor, understand you are choosing this destiny. You want to be back to a film actor, you know, young child actor, go ahead and do that. But if you want to be in the business world, then come follow me. I'll go follow you. So I stopped the whole child acting thing. Um, not my whole life is a drama. <laughs> um, but that, that, that's, where I, that's where I, you know, the idea of re-bouncing uh, back in the aspect of, you know, I say is recreating myself. That's where it first started for me, learning how to give up old thinking patterns to then new thinking patterns. Um, and so that's where it all first started for me the first time, Paul. Can you unpack? It's one thing to say, give up old thinking patterns and then create new ones. This is back before you had your deep knowledge of hypnosis, which you now have and how the subconscious affects people. So how were you able to do it back then before you had the body of knowledge and the skill sets that you currently bring to your clients and students? Right. You know, I didn't know the word hypnosis or subliminal or NLP, any of that stuff. I didn't really know the terminology um, until most recently learning, learning about it and getting certified in it. But back then, it was, it was seriously, um, 
my my own my own mentor told me I want you to visualize where you want to be actually see it tell me to taste it smell it where are you five years from now and so as we know as as hypnotists right is is that visualization it's anchoring it's figuring out where you are in the future and and I'm making it present today Einstein says that the subconscious is the difference between the real versus fake I don't know that Einstein said that Einstein said I didn't say it half the shit people say I did on the internet, but let's go. <laughs> it's a valid idea anyway. Go right. ahead. But yeah, so so someone said, I heard it from someone else that Einstein said it. So anyway, someone said that the subliminal, the subconscious doesn't know the difference between reality versus fake. You're watching a movie of um, uh, Marley and me, and there's this dog, you know, they, 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 there's this dog that you're crying and, 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 and sobbing over the very last scene of the movie when he's dying, uh, or Sharon or whatever. But in reality, the dog didn't die. In reality, there are seven different dogs used in the movie, and all the actors of the family are all fake. So everyone knows it's a fake movie, but yeah, and the people in the theaters, everyone in the, in the theater is crying because they're so submerged in that. Their yeah. subconscious is ingrained in that. So the same thing, but he, he explained it to me and uh, explained to me that, you know, when you think about and visualize your future, live it out in the present, feel the success, feel the money, feel, I was like, how do you feel the money? <laughs> and so um, anyways, so, so that's where it all started for me, even before knowing the word subconscious, it's just something that he's already been putting into me. Um, and I started picking up, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, books and titles and things that you probably, listeners or watchers, or watchers already do, but don't know the title exactly what it is you're doing. Um, well, that's what all started for me is visualization. Now, you had early success. You made a, you were making a lot of money once you got this mindset and help with your mentor. I, I believe you were 19. And how much money did you make that year at 19? Yeah, as a photographer, I was shooting weddings at 18 years old, sorry, 18. Um, I bought all the gear, um, all the all the photography gear, very, very expensive, was $30,000 in debt. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot of debt now, but in reality, as an 18-year-old, I was uh, making seven twenty-five an hour, only working 10 hours a week as, in college. And my girlfriend at the time, Angela, which is my wife now, I was making $100 a week. So $30,000 is a lot of money compared to how much we were making. Um, and that's where my dad told me, my, dad, my father told me, you need to figure a way to make money off of $30,000 in camera gear or return it all. And so um, my mentor says, make a business out of it. So I was like, okay. So I went to a small Christian Bible college in Santa Cruz, California. And you know, if you know the Christian faith, they say don't have sex before marriage. So I would always tell people, hey, if you're horny, get married, and I'll shoot your wedding. And so, um, and of course, people 18, 18, 20, 21, they're all very horny, and they all got married, and I shot their weddings. So, um, sugarcoat it. Go ahead, Stephen. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate for your audience. Sorry. No, I don't care. We Listen, we play it. This is not a family show. <laughs> okay, good, good. So anyway, so when I was, um, so I was in Bible college, again, again everybody got married, everyone called me. Now, because I was in a small Christian Bible college, a lot of the kids, their parents were also pastors of a lot of local churches around the area within an hour distance. So all of their churches called me for weddings. So I would say I was very blessed to be the photographer in that district. It's a nice um, niche, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is, yeah. And so, you know, here I am shooting weddings. So from 18 and 19, I paid off all my debts within the first like few months 
And then I started making some massive money. When I filed my taxes, I filed for taxes at $213,000 at 19 years old. That's not bad. That's not bad. And I got, you I got went to your mentor. I know this story. Tell us the story of what happened when you went to your mentor. So then I, went, I went to him and I said, hey, look, I made this much money. I'm so wealthy. He said, well, first of all, let me see how much money you have in the actual bank. I was like, oh, okay. I don't really have that much because I spent it all. You know, 18, 19 year old, right? And so, um, and he told me that's not riches. You're not rich by not how, first of all, he told me a few things. So first off, you're not rich by how much money you make, but how much money you keep. Second off, go and tell the next time someone calls you to a wedding, uh, to shoot a wedding, to tell them you can't do it and see how much how rich you are. I was like, well, if I don't shoot a wedding, then I don't get paid. He goes, exactly. You're trading time for money. And so that's what he told me. You got to scale and hire out. And so that's where, that's where I started scaling and started hiring. My first, uh, after that, talking to me, I got four employees, uh, two photographers, an editor, and an office manager. And so then um, I started shooting weddings, but not me shooting weddings, but having other two photographers shooting for me. Um, and so from that point, long story short, um, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. Then he told me, okay, now you're making money. You can shoot no weddings. And now you're making money in your sleep. And so 19 years old, from 19 to uh, 22, uh, he told me every single dollar you make, put half of it away in savings. So I was, I, I, I were very big on saving money, um, but not saving money in the sense of like, um, uh, just for the sake of saving money, but saving money for the purpose of investing. So from age 20, 19 to 22, we, we saved all the money that we made, started getting into real estate development, uh, flipping. So buying a house at low cost, foreclosure, bankruptcy, and then fixing it up, selling it later on for a profit. So from 22 to 25, then from that point, doing photography, flipping houses, flipping cars, flipping a lot of things, just dabbling with other businesses. Um, we, always, we even did a little ML, MLM there, um, but we fell for uh, 25 years old. Remember, I was $4 short in my bank for a million dollars. And I went around, <laughs> I went around looking for $4, deposit up $4, printed out the receipt, and I remember crying, tears in my eyes, like, wow. <laughs> you were four dollars short, but you found the four dollars. I found the four dollars. Yes, that's a wonderful story. But then you got knocked on your ass again. So what was the second time? Okay, now, now fast forward. Like oh my gosh, that's twenty years later. Twenty years later, uh, um, someone in my you know my, uh, we started having a coaching business here in San Diego, um, and I you know we were like getting all kinds of publications and. You know, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, all the different stuff. Um, we I were, believe we, you were called America's Lazy Millionaire. Yes. Uh, Inc. Magazine called me America's Lazy Millionaire. Forbes called me the Prosperity Mentor. Uh, or is that vice versa? I forgot. But anyways, so we were we were getting out. We, by we, I'm talking about like our company, Seasons Less Mastery. Uh, we were getting out there. And of course, we got a lot of haters as well. But then later on, a, 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 a person from 20 years ago, but I went to jail the first time. So I was, oh, I'm so traumatized. I'm still traumatized. I want $5 million. <laughs> and so long story short with that, um, 20 years later, I get a call and say, you know, come up to uh, LA and hey, there's a warrant for your arrest for what happened 20 years ago. I was like, wait, 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 that's double, that's double jeopardy. That's, that's double dipping. But I already took care of that. I already paid the price for that. And so then they said, no, you got to prove it to the judge. I'm like, oh gosh. So because of that, uh, I went back to jail again. Oh my gosh, that was two years ago. 
because of that, off of a crime that happened 20 years ago, all because someone wants money. I just have to pause you here and, and I happen to know more of the story. So this is an example of your on your ingenuity. We don't want to get into the whole prison story, but tell us about what happened with this guy, Wicked, who called himself Wicked in your first day in there. <laughs> yeah. So when I went to um, jail the second time, um, that's adult jail. It's not young kid jail. It's actually adult jail. Um, there's this guy who is in there, um, part of the cartels, very, very, very prominent gang member. Um, and I, here I am, this square, nerdy-looking guy from the streets, and not at all from the, not at all from that kind of lifestyle. Um, I was bullied in the first couple of nights I was in there, like super bullied, um, because I was an easy target per se. Um, people saw my glasses; they 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 could tell that the glasses are not cheap. You know, it's, it's I mean it's not even that expensive. I think it's uh, Armani. But anyways, about compared to what they have in jail, right? Uh, so like, oh, give me your glasses. And so people were being very big bullies. Um, long story short, I remember calling my wife and uh, saying, oh my God, these people here are so evil. I, I hate being here, you know. Uh, every time I go get that, the tray, I don't know how long, long the story, but. No, that's time, okay. Go for it. We, we have as long as you want. <laughs> every time I get a tray from the, the food, uh, from the feed, they call, they call it chow time. Um, and it was gourmet chow, right? It, it was fantastic. <laughs> no, not at all. It's three lousy small meatballs and like half a scoop of mashed potatoes, some corn, and maybe half a roll. You know, but that's torture for you because I happen to know as your friend, you love food. <laughs> I love food. Uh, I love, 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 love food. As a matter of fact, my uh, my 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 bookkeeper and my CPA keeps telling me my food budget is way more than my, uh, my, how much I pay for where I live. And where I live is about six grand a month. And so, <laughs> anyway, I mean, Paul and I had a very nice Brazilian steak lunch the other day. Um, anyways, so, you know, so I, I'm used to just fine dining and here I am getting a small tray. First off, I'm miserable being in there. Second off, I get the tray, I'm looking at this, this is miserable. And then this guy who's a big time gang member slaps my tray so it flips over and falls on the ground. And I'm like shocked when I look at the guard and the guard's like, pick up your food or go back to your cell. I'm like, my food is like another tray. Like, no, you only, we're only allowed one tray per inmate. Pick it up or don't eat. I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat. Forget this. So I go back to my cell and I'm literally crying because I'm starving. I'm hungry. And this happens for the next morning, you know, for breakfast and then for lunch. Call my wife and my wife's like, hey, you got to figure it out because you're, you know, you're a hypnotist. Why don't you go and hypnotize them? I didn't know if she was at first uh, uh, um, mocking me, <laughs> but uh, she was like, you, 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 you're a hypnotist, go, go and hypnotize them. I was like, it doesn't work that way. You got to put them in trance. You gotta, they got to be submissive. They got to be suggestible. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? If I think back to the subconscious mind and human behavior, everyone has a wants, needs, and desire. So if you can fulfill their wants, needs, and desire, then they'll fulfill what your wants, needs, and desire. That's also Zig Ziglar. If you help people get what they want, they'll help you get what you want. So, um, so I said, okay, well, what does he want? I noticed the other night, though, he was getting a fight, a, a brawl with someone over a Twix candy bar. And so I was like, he likes Twix. So I, I went to this commissary. They come out once a week. I bought 20 pieces of Twix. And that's the max they could order, 20 pieces. So he was walking towards the shower. It was a guy named Wicked. And I, I tossed it underneath the door. 
there's a way of a window and we have the door underneath the door. I said, here, hey, wait, this is for you. What was this for? I was like, it's for you. And he was so confused because everyone in there is so used to being stolen from or it's a, it's a doggy dog world over there. And so, but here I am just giving it away. It's a nice pattern interrupt, which is a great hypnotic technique. And I teach it to my clients, particularly with handling objections. His objection was, I don't want you here eating and alive. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tossed him a Twix and he was so confused, but he kept on walking. Next day, tossed him another Twix. As so I kept on, he goes, what do you want? I was like, stop touching my tray, let me eat. And so I did that. Then the following couple of days later, people heard about it and say, oh, Wicked's been getting twisted from Steven. Let me, they call it Del Cruz. Let me go and do his tray. So he, they can also bully me and get their Twix, which makes sense, right? Because they see, oh, this guy was bullying him. And then later on, he's getting Twix to stop bullying. So let me bully Steven now so I can get Twix. So they go and someone did that to me. And then Wicked, Freaking went over to that guy, got his tray, gave it to me, and punched the guy. So that guy, pretty much long story short, Wicked was my my, my security guy. <laughs> um, so if you want to find a moral in the story here for a, for for the purpose of lessons, uh, find the top dog and make him your best friend. And <laughs> I love this. Find the so the takeaways here that I get for that story that everyone has some subconscious want desire need to yes. fill that and they'll give you what you want it's 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 purely zig ziglar i mean get what they want and they'll give you what you want so if i find okay this prospect i have here what is it they want that's the reason why it's such a famous term to wine and dine sock a prospect client because if you take care of their belly they'll, they'll take care of you and you know paul knows this but every single event every single event I throw, be it a seminar, be it a church service, be it anything, workshop, there's always, always, you'll never have me have an event without food. You'll never. And it's the only reason I come. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, and absolutely, it's fact. If you can take care of the people's wants and desires, you'll be, you'll be taken care of. So I always feed the people I'm around. When I meet someone brand new, hey, let's go grab lunch. Let me take care of that. And it's not, it's because I know that I'm gonna take care of you. You're gonna take care of me. It's, 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 it's business. I think what's also interesting, examining what you did there in jail, and that's an extreme circumstance. We here as professional salespeople, entrepreneurs, persuaders, we think, oh my goodness, I'm about to lose the sale. What do I do? You're in a situation where your life could be taken and you were able to step back. How are you able to get into that mindset of saying, Instead of panicking, I'm sure you were panicking at first. How did you get from panic to getting resourceful thing? Wait a minute. Hmm. What is that person's need? How can I influence them or even manipulate them? How are you able to get from that state of, holy shit, I'm not yeah. going to survive? You know, my father was the command master chief in the Navy when he was in the Navy. He retired as the command master chief. So that was a pretty, uh, pretty big, pretty big rank. Um, as a command master chief, he was a leader. And so he was always being uh, learning leadership skills. And he taught me, he goes, if you want to be top in life, if you want to be a leader that everyone looks up to, you need to be a big problem solver. If you're not a problem solver, you're not a leader. If you can't solve problems, you can't lead. And leadership is key in life. And so that's always stuck to me, even when I was young. And so with that being said, every time there's been an issue or drama or 
problems or whatever, you know, my mind, I allow myself to be pity for at least a few minutes. I don't time it. I go, let me get by myself. But I let myself acknowledge what's going on. This fucking sucks. Sorry for the language. This nope, sucks. It's not a family show. <laughs> okay. Well, this fucking sucks. And I seriously, and it's funny because Adela hates me bitching, as we call it. Uh, but she tells me, I allow you to bitch right now. The moment you're done bitching, this never comes up again. And that's a, that's a rule between her and I. So she can bitch all she wants to me in that one sitting. So if it takes her two hours to repeat herself over, I'll just shut up and listen. After that, we're coming up with solutions. So go ahead and tell me how horrible your friend is or how horrible that person did to you. Then after that, give me a solution. So that's what, I'm very solution oriented. Uh, not always easy, not always easy, not gonna lie, it's not easy. But to answer that question, Paul, I, I, I allow myself to bitch and want to complain which I did to my wife on the phone. Um, and then thereafter, we came up with solutions. I said, so what solutions do I have here? I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. And that's what she told me. You're a hypnotist, why don't you go? And I was like, okay. And the way I, I do my business is I say, if I was to, because I'm also a coach and mentor, if I were to coach myself on this scenario, what would I tell my client? What would, and so that same way back in jail, if I were to coach someone in jail, how to use hypnosis on someone, how would I do that? And I was like, ah, find their wants and desires and fulfill that. Then the naturally the natural state is they're gonna to want to help you out and fulfill your wants and desires. That's <laughs> it seems to me that you've had mentors all along. Your father has been a great mentor to you, and you your mentor who you met through your stay in jail your first day in jail as a mentor and in some sense your partner your spouse your wife is a mentor to you and your teacher absolutely you know I'm, I'm constantly learning i'm constantly learning that right now i you know i'm trying to learn as much as i can from paul who's a master of online sales when it comes to his courses and all that stuff he's been doing it for so many years he's probably the godfather of it um you know so i'm constantly learning growing and i'm you know, the biggest thing is the moment you, you stop learning, is the moment you start, you start dying because you're just done. So for me, I'm constantly learning, constantly expanding, finding new mentors, be it whether I hire them or whether I just pick their brains or whatever else. Um, but the biggest thing is I'm constantly always learning. Personal question. Sure. I have to ask a personal question. Do you think you could be as successful as you are right now if you didn't have your amazing spouse if you were not with her, could you be where you are today? Hmm. I would say no. I would say no. I know how many times, the reason why I say that is because I know how many times I've wanted to give up. I know how many times I've wanted just to sleep in, but she wouldn't let me. Um, I know how many times I've wanted to curse out some business partners and cut the ties. I know how many times I've, I've, uh, I've cried myself to sleep but she wouldn't let me like not even go back to bed until I fix it. And so I know, so for that being said, I would say, no, I know for a fact I would not be right in the day without Angela. You see, I did tell you before the show started, I asked different kind of questions, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I'm absolutely like, even I, just thinking about the situation with her being in my life, it just, it, 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 it makes me want to tear up. I want to rewind, rewind something. Because this is something you taught me. I thought, this guy is a fucking genius. I need to have him in my life as my mentor and my coach. And this is a remarkable thing. 
So you were doing the wedding business, but then I believe your mentor put a twist on that ball and taught you to teach about, uh, do you want to reveal this story? Because it reveals something of what you own and control. I mean, we can, we can pass over it if you'd like. I'd rather just pass over things. Okay, we'll pass over. Just for the sake of context, ever right. since the, um, the, the person got back to me and started suing me for $5 million, because I was so vulnerable with everything about my life. Okay. All, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so let me go to your official profile here. Um, all right, so why, why, I think we sort of answered this, but why is it important to master self-sales and significance? Why is it important to master sales and significance? Um, well, three things, master self-sales and significance. Um, I think whether you're a professional salesperson in car sales or real estate sales or insurance sales, outside of that, if you're saying, well, I'm a chef, how am I a salesperson? Well, I'm a, a mechanic, how am I a self? Every person is a salesperson, right? Um, and you're listening to this because you are a salesperson. So it's a matter of, of you, ma if you master sales, you master life. Everything you want in life, no matter who you are, even if you are a, a Mother Teresa, <laughs> okay, no matter who you are, if you master sales, you master everything, anything you want out of life. Um, on a side note, Mother Teresa, half of her day was done doing the work of ministry and being with the children of India, and then other half of the day, she was soliciting funds to have donations. So Mother Teresa was a saleswoman and she hired a photographer and an article writer. So she was a marketer. <laughs> Anyways, besides the point. Um, but, but you see, I mean, like if you don't know how to market, you know how to sell, you're not going to be able to accomplish what it is you want to accomplish in your life. This Even if you say, excuse me, this is really important for entrepreneurs because so many entrepreneurs have a stigma about selling or I don't have to sell. I'm an entrepreneur. Guess what? If you're not selling as an entrepreneur, you're going out of business. Absolutely. You know, they asked Elon Musk a few years back, it was an actual article that someone asked him, who's your number one salesperson in your company? And he said, it has to be me. If I'm not the one being the number one salesperson and I'm passing on to someone else, then I don't have a company. And so that's the reason why he purposely goes out in the forefront. So with that being said, you know, you as an entrepreneur, no matter how big of a broker you are, no matter how big of a big shot you think you are, understand you are the number one salesperson in your company. Otherwise, you'll go broke. So the, the importance of having a master in sales is that you want anything in life. You want a date. You want to, I mean, if you want to talk about date, Paul will help you out with that. But, you know, with, with, with personal life, professional life, financial health, you need to sell yourself on health. You need to sell yourself. You need to sell your spouse on where it is you want to go, what movie to watch next week. So sales is everything you want to get in life. That's so important. Uh, but here's the crazy part of it. Is that before you can master sales, you got to master yourself and master your own being. Because if you're not clear on what it is you want, then you're going to go and make a sale and not even be sure what you're selling because you're not even clear on who you are. So that's the first thing is understanding yourself, sales. But here's the, here's the kicker that people forget. When you make the sale, there's got to be a purpose, a significance behind that sale. Why is it you want to get what you want? We talked about earlier before this, uh, in the beginning of this thing here, everyone has a want, need, and desire. And it's not just a matter of knowing what the other person wants, needs, and desires are, 
but understand being clear on what it is you have a want, need, and desire. And when you figure out your wants and desires, then you can go and get clear on your selling proposition. And then the significance aspect is now you know why you're making a sale for whatever purpose it is. Well, so all right, this is the, the obvious question is, well, that's easy. We all want money. We're doing the sales so we can get monies. How is that? How is that not distilled just down into that simple answer? Well, if you're watching this, you probably have a tablet, a phone, or a computer. So you probably do have some money to make, be, even if it's a dollar. So what? You have money. Now what? Well, I want more. Okay, well, you got a million dollars now. Now what? You stop selling? You know, so there has to be a bigger reason for the money. See, I, well, I, want, I want a million. I got a million. I want two million. I want two. Why? Why? Well, I got three million. I want four million. When you have all the money, what? why? What's the purpose? There has to be a purpose behind the income. I call it income with impact, success with significance. If you don't have the income and impact together, you're going to go ahead and start making money. And it's going to be empty and meaningless. Because you're going to be like, hey, I, I got the money. I got, I got all the dough. Then Wait, show that. That made me horny. Show that. Uh, show that off when you get there. Yay. Oh, boy. We got to take a pause here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, you know, but the thing is, though, is that it's all meaningless. Once you have it, then what? If you don't have impact, you don't have significance, it's all useless. You know, I know tons of millionaires and billionaires who are out of their mind depressed. And they say, they say, I got to the mountaintop and here I am. And now I've been trying to cheat this all my life. And now here I am, now what? Now what do I have? I put all my purpose behind chasing this success. And now that I'm on top of the world, now what? And that's where a lot of these multimillionaires and billionaires commit suicide and they're depressed beyond measure because they're trying to chase after this thing called success. When they get there, what? And so that's, that's my biggest thing is, is yes, go for the dope, go for success. But if you say, you know what? My wife and I, we have a goal to hit this many cars to be given away, this many houses to be bought for other people for this year, every single year. If we don't, so that's where we go, okay, I gotta make the money, I gotta make the money, because I know that a percentage of my income goes towards that goal. And we, we go to that goal. And Paul, there are probably people in your life, in our circle that you probably know, that they I obviously don't tell them to tell anyone, but we bought vehicles for, we bought houses for. And it's because it's like saying that, hey, we wanna make sure there's an impact with our income. And it's not just us making the money, but us doing something with the money beyond ourselves. So. Very important for people here. The other side of the coin is people who are only focused on making impact. There are what my coach Wanda would say, they're service-minded and impact-driven. But the problem is they have no way to monetize it. It's right. So they go around feeling great, but then they can't pay their bills or they're just struggling and not nearly where they want to be. Right, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you got, you, you got to have, that's why it's not just Im impact. It's income with impact. Uh, and success with significance. And so, um, and again, you know, here's the funny part. Jesus himself had a treasurer because he had people giving him money to do the ministry. So, so even, so don't tell me you're, you're better than Jesus and don't need money. <laughs> you need the money. Well, but he was also a fantastic salesperson. Oh, absolutely. Yes, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so the mention of using pattern interrupts when they were ready. 
He was a master of using pattern interrupts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because when they're in a stone, the woman, he interrupted their pattern by saying that those among you who are without sin, throw the first stone. That wife totally interrupted the pattern. But let's right. get off, let's get off that. And uh, I don't know what you're looking at there, but pay Sorry. attention here. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, next question. Uh, I we've answered this. How did you learn to be successful? Obviously, you did it from a mentor and your coach. You couldn't have gotten anywhere without your mentor. No, I I, I wouldn't say I I say I would not have gotten to where I am or able to without without my mentor. Um, if and here's the thing is that if you don't have anyone showing you how to get there, such as um, Paul showing you how to make more sales, how to handle the objections. So I can figure it out. Every multi, multi, multi millionaire billionaire had someone to show them how to get there. Um, and I'm not talking about college either. College, college is bullshit. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. I agree with you. Uh, I think Elon Musk said it more kindly. Why do you? Why do you have that opinion? I think college is bullshit because it's uh, it's the it's there's a, it's the professors who are telling you how to make money, do life X, Y, and Z, when they haven't really done much at all, right? And so uh, it's the um, it's the business coach who teaches you how to be a business coach, and that's, <laughs> but and, and that's the business that they're in. <laughs> Does that make sense? A pickup artist who's a virgin. <laughs> That is that is uh that is exactly true. So I I so I I think that you know what let's be real here, okay? Let's just let's talk about sales real quick and talk about college. College is the biggest sales process scam you can think of. I love this. Let's go. It's a diversion, but it's a fascinating diversion. So it's not even part of the questions. I'm sorry for for diversion. No, 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 no. I want to hear. We listen. This is freewheeling, and I want to hear it. Freewheeling. <laughs> Anyways, so think about this. College needs students because students pay the tuition fee, right? They pay the money. But what happens is, is that they're told you have to be at this level and prove yourself before you can pay us your money. And then you must apply and then you must interview and then we, we might get back to you. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> okay. And then, you know how businesses usually give, give discount. They don't call it discount. They call it scholarships. Oh, you're a male with a penis. You get a, you get a, you get a scholarship. Oh, you, 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 you know, you have a, you're Jewish. You get a scholarship. You know, and in that aspect, here's the funny part. It makes you don't you get feel, the scholarships. It's other, but we don't want to get into the, the politics of it. Yeah, but go ahead. I get but, you know, but you feel good that you got a scholarship because you're a Jewish male with a penis, and like I qualify here because I'm a Jewish male with a penis, and then it doesn't make sense. So now you become now, now colleges start fighting for for you based on the scholarship, which is, you know, bullshit. And so then you feel, oh, I feel good about going, so I'm gonna pay money to go here. I'm gonna pay money to go here. And so does that make sense? Yeah, it's and like, so, yeah, I get it. I never thought of the scholarship as like a discount on a sale that makes it more appealing. Right. Um, yeah, so, so um, yes. 
in so anyways so yeah so that's that's the absolute truth so by the way if you can't fix it feature you know steven is looking down on his phone and i said yeah i I would request that you not continue to do that but i asked steven why why do you always have your during everything have your phone on looking at what did you say your mentor told you it's all about my actually i'm making money right now (laughs) are you making money right now let's be real i would prefer that you not that you give us your full attention and not do it but but let's fit if you can't fix it feature it how are you making money right now um i am actually scheduling a lunch with someone up in the u club um with a person who i'm trying to sell my services to um as a as a uh, a a trainer for a car dealership so so right now i'm saying hey let's go grab lunch uh because i asked him last night what's your budget and he goes last year we spent about close to i said no more he said he said he doesn't want to spend no more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars on training and so i was like oh well, let's go and grab some lunch, man. I definitely can work with you on that. <laughs> so, anyways, right. so I, make, I am making money. Okay, but I'll, I'll flip it upside down. So, even if it does message me back, I won't. Because the lunch has already been scheduled, so the money's in the bag. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, yeah. Um, so, college is a scam. Would I be successful where I am today if it wasn't for my trainer? Absolutely not. Every athlete doesn't say that, oh, I'm, I'm this athlete because I had no coaches. Because I had no personal trainers. Right. Mike I had no had Customato. Without Customato, Mike Tyson would never have gone where he where he went. You know, so absolutely. So so he, there's no sure, you know, the the, the, the athlete still worked out on his own. Sure, the athlete still practiced on his own, but someone had to show him how to practice. And so yeah, you may not need a hand holding 24-7, but at least I'm gonna show you the ropes. And here's the thing: If you say I, I don't know, I don't need this. I've already got it, Paul. I don't need your services, how to have objections, or how to be persuasive. Let me tell you right now: You are putting a cap to your income. Absolutely. If Paul can teach you just one small, tiny micro thing, but that one micro thing you take to every sales meeting, everywhere you go, and it puts you two steps out of a hundred steps closer to the sale, I think working with Paul for that small micro thing would be so beneficial and so worth it. So if you can get those micro things from, from Paul as a coach, that will push you over the edge eventually. So someone said, I don't know. I don't need your services. I, I told Paul this earlier. All right, Stephen, we got disconnected there, but we're back. Let's wrap it up. So if you had any final words of advice for people who are entrepreneurs, professional salespeople who really want to up their income, what would that advice be? Be like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was interviewed and said, Michael Jordan, you are the the highest and top paid athlete. Why do you have eight or seven different coaches? He has seven different coaches and they asked him that, ESP Magazine, and his height of his, his, his career. And he says, you know, I am the best and the height of my career, not because I am me, but because I have these seven coaches. Pause, pause it again. Okay, Tracy, give it 10 seconds and then we'll go for it. All right, Stephen, you made a magnificent guest. If you could give one final piece of advice. Um, I believe you were, before we got interrupted by some external noise, talking about Michael Jordan. Yeah, so if I were to give one last piece of advice, I would say is be like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, the height of his career 
was interviewed uh, and saying, hey, why do you have seven coaches working for you, working with you when you're already the best of the best? And he paused and said, you know what? I am the best of the best because I have these seven coaches. I have a free throw coach. I have a, a, a forward coach. I have a, you know, so he has all the different coaches that teaches him one specific thing. So I would say be like Michael Jordan, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how great you think you are, always go out and keep learning. So Paul, if you can say, well, I don't know if you get a phone call with Paul, you have the honor to speak with him and he, he gives you any kind of uh, offer, take it immediately. Because <laughs> if you can get maybe, maybe I not the whole- to say this, he's not getting any commission. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you can get even just a small, tiny nugget but use that tiny nugget every single one of your sales presentations moving forward, and that moves you 5% closer to your sale, I think that's worth it. And you pick up from Paul, you pick up from this person, you pick up from that person. You pick up everywhere you can get, and once, once those 5% add up, you got 100% and your sales closing ratio will be so much better. Once again, if you get the sale, you get whatever it is you want out of life. So definitely take up Paul on that thing. And also, I'll offer you mine, uh, free gift from Stephen.com. <laughs> and again, we want you to do that. So if people want to find out more about what you offer and what you're yeah. selling, or what, what's would, the address? I would love to give a free gift to you. So go to free gift from Stephen at, with S-T-E-P-H-E-N.com, free gift from Stephen.com. And I'd love to get you a free gift. Um, definitely go ahead and check it out today. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. Stephen, thank you, man. Uh, you are amazing. I love having you as my trainer, my teacher, my coach, and my very dear friend. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good day. I'm on the Influencer's Edge. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show.